The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Serving spiritual seekers around the world. Unity Online Radio. Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D. from Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington. If you'd like to join in the discussion, email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm or call into the program with your questions. Now, here's your host, Reverend Anna Schaus. Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth and recovery. My name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host. Thank you all for listening with us today and for joining us. We're glad you're uh, here listening to the Spirit of Recovery. We love uh, your comments on Facebook. We love getting your emails, and I am so grateful that you are participating here with us at Spirit of Recovery. We have a new uh, discussion every week, a wonderful guest. We're always talking about topics that are important to you, to the recovery community, and to the unity community. And thank you so much for letting your recovery community and your unity community know about Spirit of Recovery. I love broadcasting on the topic of recovery and spirituality right here on Unity Online Radio, unity.fm. And I love hearing from you, and we're just so glad to know that we're what we're doing is touching your heart, getting you thinking, and opening you up to some new ideas and new ways of living your recovery and your spirituality more and more deeply. You can listen to us live. You can listen to us in our archives. Go to unity.fm backslash program backslash spirit of recovery. We've got lots of archives of great programs, so be sure to check that out, and you can listen anytime. You can also listen to Spirit of Recovery on your mobile listening device. And you can uh, check us out on Facebook. So uh, you can access lots and lots of ways, Spirit of Recovery. My guests are always people who are down to earth, who are knowledgeable, and who are innovative. People who are in recovery themselves or who work with or write for recovering people. People who have spiritual insights. So my guests are always bringing us practical information that you can use and lively discussions that will get you thinking. The Spirit of Recovery is a welcoming place. And uh, so if you're a person who's in recovery from any kind of an addiction or if you're a family member in your own recovery as a family member or a friend or if you're a family member or friend of someone that has the disease of addiction and you're looking for more information or you're just simply curious, you're interested in what the recovery and spirituality path has to offer, we welcome you. We're very glad that you're here with us and we welcome your participation. Again, my name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your Spirit of Recovery host. I'm a unity minister and an addictions counselor. I'm also a person who has, in my own circle of love and friendship, many people that have the disease of addiction. And 30 years ago, those relationships got me started on an active path of personal growth and recovery and spiritual development. And so ever since then, my walk has been an integration of uh, 12-step recovery principles and the unity principles. And that's a walk that keeps transforming my life and it keeps me growing in ever deeper ways. So again, I'm grateful, delighted to have the opportunity to share these ideas about spirituality and recovery with you to bring great guests to you and to hear what you're experiencing in your spirituality and recovery. Today, our topic is what was, what is, the foundation for what will be. And my guest is Dean C. Dean is a family member. He's a member of Al-Anon Family Groups. Dean has many years in recovery. 
He loves the traditions. He loves to be in service. He uh, also is a person who integrates the 12-step principles and the unity principles. And Dean really walks his talk. He lives uh, his program very enthusiastically. And he practices these uh, spiritual principles in his relationships. And today Dean is going to be uh, talking about how he uh, brings traditions to bear in his life, the 12-step traditions, how he brings them to bear in his relationships and how we can use what we've learned in the past about our relationships, what we're bringing, what the learning is that we're bringing from the past into the present and on into the future of this new year. So, Dean, welcome to Spirit of Recovery. Thanks, Reverend Anna. It's a a pleasure and an honor to be here. I'm excited. Um, I love the topic of recovery. I love talking about recovery and learning about recovery. It's really changed my life, and one of my many um, little mantras that I say to myself a lot is recovery has truly changed my mind, and uh, on a daily basis, I really feel like my my internal message, recovery has helped me change that internal message, and the, how my brain works, literally, um, is it made tr- tremendous strides in connecting me to source and spirit and living a more spiritual life. So my recovery is, as you know, is very, very important to me. Yeah, that's that's great. Tell us a little bit about uh, what your mind was like before you got in recovery and what and how it how you made that shift. Yeah, I, it's you know I guess a lot of there's a lot of little phrases for it, but I I, I would classify classify myself as a warrior. And I was one of those people who it wasn't evident that I was a worrier. I was somebody that was a uh, kind of calm on the outside, but always pedaling hard underneath. And you know, since since coming to recovery, I've learned the the uh, the term monkey mind. And I would say that I had pretty good monkey mind going on there. I was always thinking ahead. I was always thinking back. I I don't know that I was ever present. Um, one of the things I like to peg it to is that I had a very busy um, career as my family was growing up and I never, when I was with my family, I always felt like I was thinking about work and when I was at work, I thought, I remember always thinking about my family. And the thought process there was that I was always worrying about or anticipating or whatever it might have been that I needed to do that I thought if I didn't do that there was going to be some element of a problem. You know, just always trying to uh, troubleshoot, if you will, whereas when I was, I don't really remember any element of consciousness of being where I was when I was there, if that makes any sense. Um, so that was the me before. And I think those of us who have experienced that type of existence know that eventually you just run out of gas. I mean, it just takes a tremendous amount of energy to always be in, to, to, to in that, what do you call your guy, Iggy? Is that the, mm-hmm. the lizard the lizard mind? Or, um, mm-hmm. You know, kind of living there with Iggy, always trying to be in survival mode or whatever it is, whatever boogeyman was around the corner or whatever it was that was coming around the corner, I was always thinking... And, and not in a fatalistic kind of way, but only in a, what I would call a troubleshooting kind of way, trying to keep the waves down, trying to keep the, the problems to a minimum. But basically, I would say that my, I was always churning. I, I, don't, I, I, could, I didn't know where to find that serenity or that peace that I find now in recovery and, and with some sort of a spiritual life. So, so what was one of the first things that you remember when you got into recovery that started to make a shift for you, Dean? Uh, you know, I think that it was, um, well, I, I will tell you that the first time I went into a room or a meeting, a 12-step meeting, I felt safe. And that, that I think that's a word that we all um, anchor our recovery to, is safety. And once you feel safe, then uh, I think that you can bring yourself. To... The other thing that I would say is when I went to my first meeting, I felt present. So 
that was, you know, the little phrase I use for that is a lot of times you're in a room and the air conditioning's on and there's this hum or this buzz that you're not aware of. But once the AC goes off, then you're aware that it went off, that it was on, and that there's this quietness that comes. And once I experienced that feeling, I guess, of being present or understanding what that was, that helped me identify that there really was a problem. So it kind of came to me that way. So first of all, I felt safe. Um, there was something about the energy of the Al-Anon meetings, the nurturing nature of it. Um, I'm sorry if I'm, if I'm not allowed to supposed to use the word. Uh, of oh, the yeah, 12th. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Okay. Because yeah. we're not using your last name, so okay. that's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and going to an Al-Anon meeting, I felt very safe and nurtured. Um, I think anybody that's been there also knows that it's a, a highly, highly attended by females, uh, ladies, and I saw sisters and mothers and grandmothers, and they all treated me like sons and brothers and grandsons, and I felt very safe and loved and nurtured there. So that that part, and then while I was there, the next thing that I saw, uh, what brought me there to go back just a step was a couple years of therapy, and a friend in therapy helped me go to um, discover um, Al-Anon because I had at that point discovered that I had somewhat of a codependent nature and that that's, that was going to be my challenge to overcome and that um, not as much for the alcohol component going to Al-Anon but for what I would term the codependent element but I discovered while in Al-Anon that alcohol had had a tremendous impact on my life and alcoholism. And that's one of the things that I've discovered in service work is that people who are so affected by it, who are right in the middle of it, really don't understand how it's affecting them. And I was, I'm proof of that because I was 50 years old and I could not peg my challenges in life to those around me who had exhibited all the alcoholic and also what I would call Al-Anon behaviors that we all know and love. And I was, I was both directly and indirectly affected by that um, dramatically. Could you give us some specifics while certainly respecting uh, your loved ones and so forth, but just to give us an idea because you're, you're so right. It's like... I've experienced that myself. I in the middle of of a lot of I, I'd call it compulsive behavior. People that had compulsive behaviors, and I'm doing my compulsive behavior, and we all think we're just fine until you know the bottom starts to drop out. And so, a lot of times, yeah, we don't recognize it. So, could you give us some again specifics with respect for privacy? But what kind of behaviors do you mean? Well, certainly, I I would say the 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 thing that I recognize. Now that I was in the middle of was that those behaviors that I described just a little while ago relative to problem solving, solving and troubleshooting were the characteristics of my mom. And um, my mom was a young woman when she had, I'm the second oldest, and she had me when she was 19. Um, the, the, when I look back, and, you know, you talk about traditions, and, I, I you know, just to kind of interject that right here, sure. com- compassion and understanding, as mentioned in the fifth tradition, is something that I have really worked on, and the compassion that I feel for the life that my mother led has been very profound in, in my 2011 journey. Um, I kind of have done, quote, her inventory to help me understand how I was affected, and it more of a historical um, perspective, and she was kind of running her family. She was looking out, and I know her dad wrestled with it because she has now told me stories about alcoholism and his falling off the train when he came home from the from work, and her mom didn't drive, so she was the one that would have to pick him up at the train station and literally pick him up out of the parking lot. She was a young woman. Um, 
she told me she has told me that she's uh, at times she uh, saw him in the little town that they lived in, literally in a back alley, sitting on a a, a wooden crate with a uh, a flask drinking. And so, I think that, and then her mom was uh, a stay at home. So then her brothers were kind of wild guys. So I think she was always trying to make sure everybody was okay from a very young age and put a lot of stress on her. And we as a young family, um, dad wasn't around a lot and mom was there taking care of us. But what I didn't realize is she was taking care of her mom, her brothers, um, and a whole bunch of others of us, not to mention neighbors and so forth at the same time. And that led to this very, you know, it always this state of, you know, um, angst or um, pressure or stress or whatever it was. It, it we always it always felt like we were always just dealing with something. I guess drama is a good word too. So. Um, and I was very tied to my mom. I mean, you know, she was my world. Uh, Dad wasn't around. I can remember as a little kid, I was thinking the two, the two worst things that could happen to me would be losing my mom or my house burning down. And I don't know why <laughs> those are the two, but certainly I understand about my mom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's, go ahead. No, I was going to say it was basically, um, and I know that was her, her version of how she loved. I mean, I, I took, you know, that's where the compassion and understanding of the program puts me. She is, my mom still to this day is so concerned with how everybody else is doing that it affects her health. And, you know, now she's a grandma and now her health is of the utmost importance. And um, it has affected her. It really has. Yeah, it's uh, powerful to hear that because what you're telling us, because it is important, it's it's that contrast of, it's, I think of too like the the fish in water is the fish doesn't know it's in the water until it gets out of the water and then it it feels it. That's why it's so important to to get in recovery or get in some kind of a spiritual walk. Like you said, when you walked into that first meeting, you just felt a difference, and and that was maybe one of the first times you knew there was a different reality that you didn't have to worry all the time because you actually experienced it. I did, and you know. I try, you know, here's the other part about traditions in 2011, you know, the concept of attraction versus promotion. Well, I promoted the heck out of Al-Anon relative to my mom. I mean, I was trying to get her, because I I was trying to get her to, I was trying to help her. And then after a while, now I just try and live it. And, um, you know, she'll, she'll be stubborn that way, and I can see it. And, um, but, you know, I've, I've made a very concentrated effort on not pushing it anymore. Uh, just trying to be a different kind of, love her different. We're going to talk about that when we come back. We've got a break coming up, and that's a good place to uh, hang in there, and it's a good topic. We'll talk about how, what it means to live it when we come back. So stay with us, and we'll be right back. When listeners like you contribute to the Unity Online Radio Network, you're making a positive difference in your life and the lives of other spiritual seekers. To contribute, visit www.unity.fm and make a one-time donation or sign up for monthly contributions. Thank you for your support. Hi, this is Ellen Devonport. The Five Principles was my first book, and here's what I've learned as an author. It's nice to sell a lot of books, but it's truly gratifying to know the book is being read, used, and studied in churches and small groups in the U.S. and beyond. And I get a real kick out of hearing that someone gave The Five Principles to friends who aren't in unity. Because The Five Principles are universal spiritual laws 
They operate in everyone's life whether they know it or not. They've been discovered and rediscovered by spiritual masters for thousands of years. God is all there is. We are expressions of God. We create our experience with the power of our thoughts. We align ourselves with the well-being of the universe through prayer and meditation. And we live the truth we know every day in every decision. Just five principles, they cover it all. Buy the book at unity.org. Have you heard about Dr. Tom Shepard's new program on Unity Online Radio? Tom Shepard, isn't he the Unity Magazine question and answer guy? Right. Well, they've actually turned him loose with a radio show, and I hear it's going to be pretty edgy. Edgy? Like what? Guest panelists discussing things like abortion, gay marriage, war and peace, environmental issues, Islamic fundamentalism, universal health care. Yeah, but they'll all be Unity people, right? Oh, no, no, no. He has a list of upcoming guests that sounds like a roll call of the Interfaith Council. Rabbis, priests, liberal and conservative ministers, Buddhist monks, Baha'is, Hindus. And he's going to interview them on the program? Better. He's going to introduce a topic and let them go for it. Imagine having a rabbi and a Catholic priest talking about Jesus as a Jew, or asking a biblical literalist to explain creationism to a liberal Christian Bible scholar. This could get explosive. Does he have guys in black shirts standing by to break up the fights? (laughs) If I know Dr. Tom, he'll keep it both friendly and spirited. Whoa, I gotta hear this. When and where? The program is called Let's Talk About It, and it's on every Thursday at 9 a.m. Central Time, only on Unity Online Radio. So, let's talk about it. Definitely, let's. You're listening to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., If you'd like to share your questions, comments, and experience with today's topics, call us now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm. We now return to Spirit of Recovery. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. I'm really glad that you're with us right now. And if you're just joining us, our topic today is what was, what is, the foundation for what will be. And my guest is Dean C. Dean is a longtime member of Al-Anon Family Groups. He's very enthusiastic about his recovery. He really lives it. He believes in service. He loves the 12-step traditions and puts them to use in his relationships. And Dean is the person uh, also who practices the unity principles and brings that awareness of spirit into his life in all ways. And before we uh, talk again with Dean, we're going to have just a moment for the Serenity Minute. So I invite you to relax, to take a breath, and to join me in this constructive idea. My past is a blessing. I bring it forward into today. I take all the love that I've gained into my future. My past is a blessing. I bring forward into today a rich soul. I take all the love that I've gained in my past into my future. Thank you, friends, for joining me in the Serenity Minute, and I hope that it did uh, speak to your heart and open you up to that place of peace. And so, Dean, we're back now to our topic of uh, what was, what is, the foundation for what will be. And, Dean, thank you so much for sharing with us about um, your relationship with your mom and about all of that, about learning, you know, how how that anxiety that we can have in our past does push us to worry and, and so forth, and we, maybe we don't even know about it. And I know you're also uh, sharing with us how you uh, had tried to sort of push Alan on off on your mom, but... But you decided to live by the traditions of attraction, not promotion. Would you tell us a bit about about that tradition? And um, it's a twelve step tradition. Tell us a little bit about it, what it means to you, and how you use it. Well, you know, in in a lot of ways, um, on a personal level, I, I found myself. Um, yeah, if if I could just back up a tiny bit and 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 say that one of the 
most important parts, I believe, of my recovery and of recovery in general is the inventory phase and what we learn when we do it honestly and and, um, enthusiastically, as you say. Uh, I did learn a lot about uh, myself in the inventory phase, and one of the things I did learn is that I was... I was a bit of a salesman. I was a little bit of a role, more role than real in terms of how I presented myself in the world. And that was all based on my uh, desire to be liked or accepted or, you know, whatever term we're going to put on that. So I think this this concept of attraction versus promotion falls right into that. I think we, uh, myself, that... that um, thought that it was, I had to be some way in order for uh, to be loved or to be liked or to be part of or accepted, creates a caricature or a, or a character or a persona rather than a person. And that's what I think um, promotion is. Promotion is kind of a, a sales job. That's the way I see it. And then attraction is just... Um, and understanding, and this is where unity comes in for me and what I've learned while being at unity is that that oneness, that right that we have to claim our Christ nature, our, um, we don't have to prove, we don't have to dance the dance, we just have to be and we just have to learn to be connected. And that's attraction because people know and we all know people in our lives, that just being around them, we like being around them. We're comfortable. We're safe. Uh, we we like to listen to what they have to say. And to me, that's attraction. So the, how that manifests in a day-to-day life is I, I what I say to myself is I know that I love my family and I know that my mom loved me and, and I know that all this dysfunction that there's love underneath it. It's just how do we change the way we love each other? And, you know, the way that I've decided to love my family members and my mom is to just try and be rather than to try and, you know, I was a good, as I was in early recovery, and um, I was really good at coming home and telling everybody what I learned and then saying, hey, you got to get some of this. You know, I, I was very, in my heart, I was very enthusiastic. And everybody, we know the reactions we get to that. Everybody rolls their eyes. And they're going like, you know, my sons would look at me and go, Dad, what's, what's going on? What, you know, you're changing. And it's, in a lot of ways I was, but that's not the way I wanted to change. I was promoting. So I think that was the enthusiasm that that, that really fueled that, I was very passionate because I knew I had found something cool. But now that I've settled into it, and now that I've claimed it, now I've claimed, as we say in unity, our Christ spirit, our nature, the oneness, I'm really getting grounded in that, uh, Anna, and it is something that um, I start to feel and I know I'm starting to uh, project. So that's how I, I tie that uh, tradition of, of attraction versus promotion into my everyday life. Right. That's great. What other traditions really speak to you, Dean? And would you tell us a little bit about them and how you use them in, in your relationships, too? Uh, yes, yeah, sure. Um, you know, one of the, one of the ones that uh, in Tradition 12 where we uh, end up with princip- putting principles above personalities, I think... We're all saying that we 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 all want to live a principle-centered life, but that that phrase kind of intrigued me always because when I first heard it, I didn't really understand it. But the way that I have put that into practice myself is the way that I process it is treat everybody the same, regardless of who they are or their station in life. And you know what. I, one of the things growing up that I know that, that was very um, upfront in my consciousness was class status. I grew up in a a really affluent area, and um, 
you, you could t- the big houses were around, but also in most affluent areas on the fringes, you have kind of the other um, parts of town. And we were lucky enough to live in the affluent area, but I always felt like I was one of those guys. I'll just use blue collar, white collar for lack of a better phrase, but, you know, there's a separation that's felt um, in that, in those um, uh, types of deals. And, you know, somehow I got it in my mind that the people that lived in the big houses were of more value than the other. And if I was one of these others and I lived in this nice house, that I really didn't belong there, I really didn't fit there, nor did I deserve to. And that was a really, although I, as a kid, I, I would always strive to be in that nicer, you know, I, it, it was part of the ambition part. But on my way up, and I, I did well um, in a career, I was very driven, and I was very blessed, and I was very lucky to work with really talented and good caring people on the way up the message in my head was never that i deserved it it was quite the opposite so i think in spiritual terms i was i was um doomed i had a you know my destiny in that regard was pre predetermined because i did get to the top i did have money and the nice house and lived near the beach and and all that and money wasn't an object but what I can tell you is that all disappeared, and I believe that it disappeared because I fundamentally didn't think I deserved it. So that's kind of going off the, the subject a little bit, but what it tells me is that, you know, back to claiming, again, the oneness, the, the principles above personality, the principle is we are all equal. I am not better nor worse than anyone. And that ties to the seventh step for me, which is the humi- you know the word humility is the most powerful word word in recovery for me. All right, tell us tell us a little bit about that seventh step and and why it matters to you. Um, what is that? Well, step? Yeah, I can. Um, you know, when when we ask for God to humbly remove, uh, let me just get the exact. I can get the exact words because I don't want to do it injustice, but. Um, Humbly, uh, let's see, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Well, yeah, at this point in the steps, we've done our inventory and we kind of know ourselves a little bit better. And when we first go, when I first went into recovery, that terrified me because I was going to have to rediscover or admit all the terrible things about myself. But what I, what, what really happened when I got the courage to do the inventory, is that I learned that I can be both human and divine at the same time, that those those shortcomings were things that we all have, those shortcomings were were naturally human, and that I, I literally drew a picture with a line on it, and I have a mental image of, in my mind, I would always place myself either above or below the line, depending on who I was with. So here we go, tying it back to principles above uh, personalities. If I was living in humility through the seventh step, it wouldn't matter who I was talking to. I would be the same person. And I would look at them eyeball to eyeball rather than if I'm talking to a guy in a suit that runs a company, I'm humbled and I don't think I'm worthy to talk to him. And if I'm talking to a guy on the street who's asking me for a dollar, I feel better than him. And I always was putting myself in the place relative to who I was talking to. But the word humility and the way I understand it through my my recovery work is that I go eyeball to eyeball with everybody. And nobody's better and nobody's worse. We're all one. That's really powerful. That's very freeing for me. Because I believe that I deserve to be anywhere with anyone and I, and I know that everyone else deserves to be loved uh, and respected. So that's, that's been a really big change for me. Yeah, that makes it, thanks for describing it so clearly. 
And when you're talking about it and, and when you talked about your your sense of not deserving the good that you had, I mean, that, too, is so integrated with the unity concepts of, of, of knowing, you know, in a sense that we create, in, in a way, how we see ourselves. I mean, we... However it is that we see ourselves, that's what we're going to end up expressing in our life. And what I love about what you said about it, Dean, is it's clear that it's not just about in your mind. It's not just about reciting these affirmations or, you know, trying to make something happen. It's about cleaning up your life and really getting it about who am I who, and who do I think I am really, not kind of living this feeling like I'm some kind of an imposter. Uh, you know, and I, I really thank you, and I really believe that an honest, you know, a, the word searching and fearless moral inventory mean a lot to me because, you know, I have a buddy that paraphrases the 12 steps into three categories, trusting God, cleaning house, and serving others. And as I find, I I come through the steps over and over, and I've been in uh, numerous step studies now, the more I trust God, the more searching and fearless I become. Um, and those inventories um, become more and more meaningful. And it's the inventory and the, leads to the healing. I mean, without the healing, I don't know that there's... I think that spirituality is, is severely diluted. And the healing piece, I think, is sometimes where some churches miss. I think 12 steps, uh, 12 step work is very clear on what's important and that God is there, serving others is important, but unless we heal, I, I believe I would be a resentful spiritual guy, you know? And I, I do think that people can tell, um, who's in recovery and who's been healed and who's, and who's walking around trying to to connect with God. And I think people do that honestly in their heart. But un- unless they do the what would we call the shadow work or the inventory or facing those resentments and those hurts of their past and getting beyond them, it's really tough to connect to spirit because you can't, I can't, we can't connect with that Christ nature and that spirit Totally, I don't think, until we're healed, until we realize what has hurt us. And, you know, that is, that's the little spring, I think, that just kind of lets you loose. Uh, once you can figure out really what's hurting you, it's hard to admit. It's hard to admit that people that were put in charge of us, and I'm not talking about my own experience, but people that were abused, um, that my, my mother or my father neglected me or beat me or sexually abuse me or whatever it is and they were put in positions of trust denial is a very powerful thing and I, I i know that denial was very powerful in my life because facing things means you got to do something about it <laughs> and <laughs> sometimes that's really tough to do so i think that the healing piece is 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 the really critical critical piece in the recovery and um claiming who we really are. Mm-hmm. I remember once a long time ago in a recovery workshop, the facilitator said, uh, recovery is not about getting good, it's about getting real. Mm-hmm. Well, I almost fell out of my chair mm-hmm. because I was all into perfectionism and I loved, changed everything for me. It was great. Oh, yeah, I, I totally relate to that because, you know, I think up to a certain point in my life, I could remember every mistake I made. <laughs> that was the form of my my inventory of myself was the was knowing it, it just I, yeah I do still remember the first B I got you know like in eighth grade and that perfectionist deal just doesn't doesn't get it and the, you know the the and and perfectionism too manifests in the, into itself in in terms of. Um, what I would call lying, a version of lying, which is every time someone says, uh, asks you a question that you really want to say no to, you don't say no. I mean, there's there's a lot of uh, a lot of things 
about being real that are difficult. And I, maybe that's why everybody's not real. Hang on to that one. That's a good one. We're going to come back to that. It's time for our break. And so uh, we're glad all of you are listening. Hang with us. We'll be right back and talk some more with Dean about what was, what is, the foundation for what will be. Working at Unity Village is more than just a good job. It's good work. We're a not-for-profit organization that helps people around the globe live more abundant and meaningful lives. Our work environment is unique in keeping with the heritage of Charles and Myrtle Fillmore, visionary founders of the Unity Movement. At the same time, Unity is a 21st century workplace. Job seekers will find plenty of challenges in a wide range of specialties, from information technology to culinary arts, communications to publishing, prayer ministry to retreats, and more. Employees are eligible for a variety of perks and benefits, including a campus setting with year-round activities and a four-day work week in many departments. To see what employment opportunities await you, visit us at unityjobs.org and apply today. How's life working for you? Would it be okay with you if it got easier, simpler, yet more meaningful, more vibrant? Join Reverend Carla McClellan Tuesday afternoons for spiritual coaching, creating a vibrant life. Each week, Carla visits with leading-edge coaches as they explore the sacred purpose and stunning results of this exciting and emerging coaching model. Together, they reveal the secrets and successes of this transformational process. Call in and join the discussion as Carla creates a safe and sacred space to dialogue about real life and real world transformations. That's Spiritual Coaching, Living a Vibrant Life with Reverend Carla McClellan. Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern, right here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D. If you have a question, comment, or experience with today's topic you'd like to share, call us now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm. We now return to Spirit of Recovery. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. We're very glad that you're with us today. And if you're just joining us, our topic is what was, what is, the foundation for what will be. And my guest is Dean C. Dean is a member of Al-Anon Family Groups. Dean is very enthusiastic about his recovery. He loves the traditions. He loves to be in service. He lives his recovery. And he is sharing with us how he puts the traditions and the steps into practice in his relationships and how what he's learned in the past years from his recovery and from his life, he's bringing into the present and into the future. And uh, Dean is also a person who lives the unity principles, and he puts recovery, 12-step, and unity together and comes out with a pretty good life. And so, Dean, thank you again for being with us. My pleasure. And when, right before the break, you were telling us uh, some interesting ideas about how uh, we can sort of lie, and we may not think of it as lying. Maybe we think of it as being nice. Tell us a bit more about that and, and why it's important to be honest and how all that works. Well, I, thanks. Yeah, a couple things happened in that regard. Uh, one is, as I mentioned earlier, I have been going to uh, therapy before Al-Anon and have a really good uh, lady therapist who um, was tough. I mean, she's pretty tough, and her st- I, and her style, in a lot of ways, when I was first in therapy, kind of shut me down because I always thought that I was being bad. And she was giving me, she was loving me a different way and giving me honest feedback. And you know, I kind of put that to the side, and then I fast forward, and then over the course of recovery, I learned that. 
the person that I was presenting myself in the world to be was half a person. It was always the good part of me. It was the light side of me. It was the, you know, I'm fine, I'm good, everything's good, look at this. You know, uh, I never let anybody see um, the other side of me. And, you know, as we seek to be whole, and as real to me equals whole, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. there's some element that you can't be real unless you're whole. So if the goal is to be whole, then you be real. Well, all those times I said I was fine that I wasn't, all those times I said, uh, yes, I'll, I'll volunteer for that activity, and then resented it while I was doing it. I mean, um, that wasn't being whole. And the reason I didn't do it is, is fairly obvious. I didn't want the other person to either dislike me or be disappointed in me. And that being disappointed in me is huge. I don't want to, I couldn't allow myself to disappoint everybody. And what I really understand now is that I disappointed a lot of people in not giving them all of me in a relationship because what they got was fine, good, okay, doing great, you know, the smiling part of me, but I never shared my life with anybody, really. And what I've learned through recovery is the only way to have a relationship is to to be whole, to present your whole self, both the good and the bad. And there are certain boundaries to that, and that's part of the learning process. But certainly, if if I don't present myself in my most intimate relationships, in a as a whole person, both the good and bad of me, I have I don't have a relationship. So I allow myself to take the risk that I might <laughs> disappoint somebody. You know, and that's kind of funny because the people who love me, they might be disappointed. I may do things that annoy them, but that doesn't mean they don't love me. That's a big leap forward. I can disappoint them I can do something that they may not approve of, but that doesn't equate to the fact of whether they love me or not. And quite frankly, when we talk about how the brain switched, I had that mixed up. I I equated to disappointing somebody to deluding their love for me. Um, So, And as I thought I needed their love so much and I had to do all these good things and be good, I wasn't being real. And what I find now as I share that part of me in my relationships, it's a different – it's intimacy. And I didn't even know really what the word really meant. So my relationships are deeper. My relationships are closer. Um, I've – um, you know, I have better, better relationships. And quite frankly, that one of the things I'll be working on for this year is my to- lack of tolerance for the other, the old me. You know, I can see it now in other people. That, you know, news, weather, and sports kind of like existence. And um, that, that's something I really don't want anymore. But at the same time, understand, here we go back to compassion and understanding. That's what I try and put into play with regard to that. I mean, we're we're all on our journey, and we're all the mantra. One of the mantras for last year was "Love them where they're at," and I, mm-hmm. that's a t- that's a really good tool to have, especially if you have teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, two thousand and nine was a profound year for you. What happened? Well, I really decided that was the year that I decided to make big, big changes. I'd really gotten clear on where I wanted to go. And, you know, unfortunately, the the bad side of that was I chose to leave a long-time marriage once and for all. And I moved out of my home in January of 2009. And it was very difficult for me because I... I had been married for over 25 years, and my entire existence was as a husband and a father. And here I was all of a sudden by myself, living by myself, and without the money too, by the way. 
that I had once had. So what I anchored myself to was therapy and Al-Anon, and I did 90, I did my version of 90 meetings in 90 days. And it's, I don't know if that sounds overwhelming to people or that sounds cool to people, but, but it had some incredible benefits, including you have to find 90, you have to find a meeting every day. You know, you have to look for one, which means you have to go different places, which means you meet different people. And that was, that was the first benefit of all that was all the different places I went to and all the different people I met and learned from. And then at some point during the year, I just got it in my head that there's four words that I'm going to work on the entire year, and they are judgment, criticism, gossip, and sarcasm. And every day, every day, I prayed to eliminate those four things from my my soul, my being. Uh, and what I can tell you is that consciousness and that, that element of prayer and that... Um, support from those meetings really launched me into that and that i believe was the switch that that flipped that enabled me to be whole to accept god into my life to claim my divinity to allow intimacy to take risk of disappointing people all those types of things um you know that those that was profound those 90 meetings. And I would encourage anybody that's considering or struggling in recovery to just give it a try uh, because it, it did have a profound. And, you know, to put the to put the kind of the end, uh, at the very end of 2009, I met um, the next great love of my life. And this year uh, was remarried and um, am very, very, happy to be starting a new and, and wonderful relationship with a wonderful woman. In addition to the things that you've already shared with us, what's, what would you say are a couple of things, Dean, we just have a few minutes here, but that are different about you that you're bringing into this new marriage that make uh, it work? All of me is there, and all of me is there. <laughs> You know, another little cool thing I heard at a meeting is come all the way in and sit all the way down. And Mm -hmm. that has real meaning to me in terms of trying to be where I am. And and that that, um, what I discover by being what I would, it's courageous for me to tell somebody bad news or to say something I think they don't want to hear. Believe it, I'm sure people can relate to that. It takes courage for me. Some people it doesn't, it's not hard, but it is hard. But the more I do it and the more I present myself as whole and real, the deeper the relationship, the closer I feel, um, and it strengthens my marriage and it strengthens my relationship and it strengthens all my relationships because I get that at home, I learn that at home, and I can take that out in the world and I can tell people the honest truth with a compassionate heart. I, you know, I don't have to tear anybody down or yell at anybody, but I can do it now. I can say no. I can present myself and be present. And those are the, those are the gifts that I've received profoundly. Dean, thank you so much. Our time's um, up. You've really shared so much with us about how you have taken your past, some of it painful, but you've used it in a program of recovery and spirituality, and you've turned it all into blessings, and and you're making a real important impact in the world today because you're being who you are. So thanks for being with us today. We appreciate it. Thank you, Anna, and thank you for the work you're doing. It's really important. You're welcome. Thanks. Touches my heart. And thank you to all of you who are listening today. And we're glad that you're with us. And uh, remember that you can listen to this program again on Archives. You can listen to lots of other good programs of Spirit of Recovery on the Archives, unity.fm slash program slash Spirit of Recovery. Next week, join us. My guest is Jerry J. He's got over 30 years working a program of recovery. And the topic is going to be Let's Get Real. And he's going to talk about how uh, we can get real through spirituality and how that brings us into love so 
hang in there. Know you're in my thoughts and prayers this week, and we'll see you again on the next Spirit of Recovery. God bless. Thank you for tuning in to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., and her guests. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Pacific for down-to-earth ideas on keeping spirituality in the heart of your recovery. Spirit of Recovery, only on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington, committed to bringing light to the soul. Online at www.soulmatters-spiritworks.org. Have you ever noticed that life is filled with amazing people? People who are passionate about being alive and fully engaged and living on purpose and with intention. Hi, I'm Jamie Sanders, host of Spirituality Today here on Unity Online Radio. Each week, we bring you an hour of inspiration and motivation to empower you to be the best you you can be. Listen in and open up as we present some of the most dynamic teachers, authors, musicians, and celebrities that are living the life extraordinaire. Spirituality Today, every Wednesday afternoon, 2 p.m. Central, 3 p.m. Eastern, where life is good, and so are you. In quiet moments of prayer, let go of any concern. Anchor your trust deep in the realization that with God all things are possible. Never doubt it for a single moment. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. Consider yourself spiritual, but does your spirituality involve your gayness? Reverend Dulani Moore and Jerome Braggs want you to know that you no longer have to live bound by shame, for it's God's desire for you to be set free by understanding the truth of your being. It is time to live the unedited life, freely celebrating everything that you are and the unique expression God designed you to be. Talk with Reverend Dulani and Jerome live every Monday at 5 p.m. Central on Get Into It and Get Your Life. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Things may happen around you, things may happen to you, but the only things that really count are the things that happen in you. This meditative moment from Reverend Eric Butterworth is brought to you by Unity. Hi, this is Ellen Devonport. The Five Principles was my first book, and here's what I've learned as an author. It's nice to sell a lot of books, but it's truly gratifying to know the book is being read, used, and studied in churches and small groups in the U.S. and beyond. And I get a real kick out of hearing that someone gave The Five Principles to friends who aren't in unity. Because The Five Principles are universal spiritual laws. They operate in everyone's life whether they know it or not. They've been discovered and rediscovered by spiritual masters for thousands of years. God is all there is. We are expressions of God. We create our experience with the power of our thoughts. We align ourselves with the well-being of the universe through prayer and meditation. And we live the truth we know every day in every decision. Just five principles, they cover it all. Buy the book at unity.org. Hi, I'm Liz Winter and I have been a medium and a spiritual development teacher for over 30 years. On my podcast, All Aboard the Medium Ship, 
I want to share the message with you that there is a wealth of love and comfort available to you from the spirit world. On my podcast, you can experience this comfort and peace for yourself through gentle guided meditations and helpful messages. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you never miss an episode. Part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network.